To God be the glory for what he has done. Good to see you all again, New St. Bethel, and God bless you. Um, I want to greet you in the name of our Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Um, to Pastor Terrell Jones, Uncle, Uncle Terrell, as I get to call him now, praise the Lord. Amen. I thank him for his support and understanding. Um, for always being that helping help hand when we, when we call upon him. And to all of you here at New St. Bethel, God bless you. Thank you, especially the Jones family. Amen. Amen. And to all the officers and ministers, associate ministers, uh, a man back going back to high school, Mr. Arthur Jenkins is here. Amen. Amen. I see my friend, Brother KD, with us today. God bless you, man. Thank you for coming. Thank God for my wife for her support and understanding. Because when preparing to preach, that means I get I got some alone time. So I really thank her for her understanding. Um, without much hesitation, I thank Pastor Jones for the opportunity, and I'd like to share with you from the book of Luke. You would join me at the book of Luke, chapter number 17. Book of Luke, chapter number 17. A familiar passage of scripture, Luke chapter number 17. We're going to start at verse number 11. If you have it, please say amen. From the King James Version, it reads, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourself unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. Verse 19, and he said unto him, arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Um, you may have your seat. I'd like to take, I'd like to speak to you from this thought taken from verse 13. They lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Here's the, here's the theme I'd like to share with you today, the ministry of mercy. The ministry of mercy. Brothers and sisters, the definition for mercy is to forbear deserved punishment. Or it can also be described as receiving an undeserved opportunity. Many of us can testify to the fact that for what we've been through, for how we've lived in this life, there are some opportunities we got that we shown up didn't earn. There are some opportunities we, that, that there were doors open. There were opportunities granted to us that really probably 
based on our character and based on, on our actions at the time, based on who we were at the time, we shouldn't have gotten. And the reason we can say why the doors were open, why the opportunities were granted, was because it was not about us, but it was about the God we serve who opened the door when we were not worthy, who made a way when we were not able, who, who did great things for us when he shouldn't have. According to our character, he shouldn't have. But how many of us can say we're so glad that he did? We, we, we like to shout over miracles. We like to thank God for blessings. We like to have a praise break over a breakthrough and dance over deliverance. But beyond all that, y'all, if it wasn't for God's mercy, there'd be no breakthrough. There'd be no deliverance. There'd be no... There'd be no Reason to shout without God being merciful to us. The big idea of this message is this. There is a miracle and a ministry in the mercy of God. Let's look at the first point I have for you, which is the master's mission. Verses 11 and 12, Jesus passes through Samaria and Galilee, north of Jerusalem. At this time... Um, Bible scholars say that Luke doesn't give a reason for why Jesus is going north at this time. It seems that he's already close enough to Jerusalem. Why doesn't he just go into Jerusalem? Truth is, according to the uh, harmony of the Gospels, it, it's believed that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead just before he came into this village in Luke 17. And so what fits, though, is he does this for Lazarus, he raises Lazarus from the dead, and then comes through Samaria and Galilee going north, away from Jerusalem. Uh, the Bible tells us in John, John's account, it tells us that after Jesus raised Lazarus, to avoid the authorities, he goes north, away from Jerusalem. And then what fits is then he tries to pick up with other pilgrims traveling back toward Jerusalem. Because, you know, Jesus did come from Nazareth of Galilee, right? Uh-huh. So that's why he's doing this trip. And so now he enters this village known as Ephraim. As he does, he encounters ten lepers. And I'm glad that Luke says these were ten men that were lepers. Amen. Uh, as you notice here, Jesus is entering a land of Samaritans and Gentiles. These folks are considered outcasts to other Jews. So for Jesus to come into Gentile territory suggests that he's not above visiting people where they are. Hallelujah. I wish I had a witness right through there that he's not above coming to see about you. That though you've sinned and fallen short, he has never stopped visiting to see about you. As one hymn says, he looked beyond my faults. God help me. And he saw my need. Then notice here that he's got 10 men that were lepers. And some Bible scholars don't believe this, but I seem to believe that there might be something to that number 10. Um, if you look closer at the overall view of the Bible, if we took a, a cursory view of the Bible, we find the number 10 might represent the number of holiness. Let me explain. The 10th is 10%. 
and that is called holy to the Lord. God wrote Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus chapter number 20 to give a holy law to the Israelite, one where they would have a relationship with God and one where they'd have a relationship with each other. Let me go a little further. God freed Israel from the Egyptians by virtue of ten plagues. Lord help. And in each and every one of the plagues, God made a clear separation between his people Israel and the Egyptians. That in every single plague, not one of them impacted the Israelites. All ten plagues impacted Egypt and Pharaoh. I wish I had a witness here. That number 10 there would signify holiness, which means a separation uh, that, that would signify that we are to be separate. Amen. That we are in the world, but not of the world. These 10 lepers are going to represent Jesus doing a complete healing and bring a holy relationship between them and God. So here's, our, here's the mission of Jesus. It is that he will open up a holy relationship between God and man. The second point I have for you is the master's method. In verses 13 and 14, here it is, the master's method. These ten lepers, uh, ten men that were lepers, they cried out to Jesus because according to the law, they had to keep their distance from everybody else who wasn't a leper. It's believed that they were standing roughly 25 feet away from Jesus. So they can't just say, Lord, have mercy on me. They have to speak a little louder so he can hear them. They got to say, Lord, have mercy. Lord, Jesus, have mercy on us. And that reminds me of the old school church. I know these days we sing, you know, I'm desperate for you, and chasing after you. But before then, we used to say, I need thee. Lord, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. You can help me if you like. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. We used to sing, Savior, Savior, please don't pass me by. While you're calling on others, please, Father, don't pass me by. We used to cry out to the Lord. It we didn't used to just be so professional about prayer. There were times we used to holler till he heard us. I wish I had a witness here. We used to scream till he stopped. We used to yell till he got closer to us. That's why we'd sing with all our heart, draw me nearer, dear Lord, nearer to the place where thou hast died. Please draw me nearer, God, to your precious bleeding side. Matter of fact, some of us would go further and say, I love the Lord, and he heard my cry, and he pitied my every groan, that long as, trouble, long as I live and trouble rise, I won't, I won't walk, I will run to your throne. And I wonder if I have one other saint that would throw their hand up and say, Father, I stretch my hand to thee. No, no, no other help I know that if you withdraw yourself from me, where? Oh, where shall I go? These lepers holler till Jesus hears them. And what Jesus says is interesting. He says, go show yourself to the priest. As I look at this text, um, this is where the human thought comes in. And for those of y'all with a sense of humor, y'all will pick this up real quick. At the time, Jesus tells these men to go show themselves to the priest 
there's something, there's a problem with this. Um, and here's the problem. When Jesus tells them to go show themselves to the priest, the problem is they're not, they're still lepers. Okay, two of y'all got it. Let me try that again. At the time Jesus tells them, go show themselves to the priest, they still are leprous. One more time for those of y'all who At the time Jesus tells these men, go show yourself to the priest, they still have leprosy. And, 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 if, and if, now since we mostly African-Americans in here right about now, one, if, if one of us were in the text as one of these lepers, we'd have said, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Jesus, Jesus, we need to talk. Because see, um, I, I'm cool with going to, see, going to see the priest, but I got one thing I need to know. You expect me to go see the priest looking like this? Let me try that again. You expect me to go to the priest with leprosy now. And you want me to go to them right now? I still have leprosy. What do you mean go show myself to the priest right about now? That's the trouble with some of us in the church is that he's calling us to do something by faith and we're hesitant to do so because we don't look like we ought to do that. Okay, let me go a little further. For some of us, I don't know your story, but let's be honest in here. Y'all look great. And so I, if you told me what you've been through, I'll be honest. I'll just tell you like this. I can't tell what you've been through. That says the Lord has done something mighty and wonderful in your life. But for many of us in the, in the church, especially African Americans, there's something we all know about each other. Is no matter how saved and holy we are, no matter how much Holy Ghost we got, no matter how we speak in tongues, no matter how sanctified and anointed we are, there's one truth about us as African Americans in the church. If you come in here looking crazy, we sure enough going to talk about you. Oh, don't look at me. Don't look at me in that tone of voice now. You come in looking crazy, we sure enough going to see you, and we going to sure enough talk about you. Yes, we will. You, your child come in, ashy ankles, ashy knuckles, ashy knees, hair undone. We gonna talk about your daughter. And so that's the problem we have is we, we want to be healed, but we want Jesus to heal us before we go to the priest. Because we don't want to get around other folk and they start talking about us if we still look like what we've been through. You're not going to help me, huh? That's why we want the healing before we go back to church. Otherwise, we don't want to go back because they're going to talk about us. But the truth of the matter is Jesus is asking us to step out on faith that if I told you to do something, don't worry about what you look like right now. What's important is that you just do what I told you to do which is go, even though you may still have leprosy at the time I talk to you. The truth is you need to get up and go because I'm not going to let you go back in there the same way you, you came to me. I have a healing for you, but it's only accessible by your faith in me. So the lepers did what Jesus said. Despite their inhibition, 
they get, they turn and go to the priest. And look what happens, y'all. According to the text, they are healed as they turn to leave. The Bible says as they went, they are healed. That's how instantaneous it is that Jesus will bless us to where he won't leave us like he found us. But that he has something better for us. And it is an act of faith. What God is calling us to do is to have an act, an active faith. Not just say, Lord, I believe, but to actually move when he says move. And actually take him at his word. That's real faith is when you just take Jesus at his word. Because what we find is when we take Jesus at his word, he has a way of working things out. Yes, he does. So the method that Jesus uses is to heal, forgive, and save by faith through obedient action. Lest I keep you too long, let's move on to the third point. Because I think y'all are a little tired already. In verses 15 through 18, we find that the master has a message for us. One of those lepers returned to Jesus. He saw that he was healed. He returned or went back. That's what the Bible says. And with a loud voice, he glorified God, fell down at Jesus' feet and gave thanks. And that's when Luke tells us he's the Samaritan. And that's word Samaritan was half Jew, half Gentile. Mm -hmm. and, and this is important, y'all, because the Samaritans, at the time of Jesus, they worshipped on a mountain. The Jews worshipped in Jerusalem at the temple. So Samaritans and Jews worshipped in different places. Sounds a lot like today, isn't it? Sunday seems to be the most segregated day of the week. I don't hear y'all yet. Caucasian brothers and sisters go worship at the Caucasian church, River City, for instance, you know, and we worship at the Baptist church, amen, and then there are our Hispanic brethren, they worship somewhere else, and then those that are Asian or Korean, they worship somewhere else, and those that are Russian, they worship at their own church, you're not going to help me, it is a day in which we all seem to be separate and worship God in separate places, mm-hmm, however, notice at the time of the text, these 10 men that were lepers were all together, which tells us this, that Jews and Samaritans, they, can't, they may not worship together, but when they're sick, they can worship together then. That tells us that death is one of the great equalizers. It brings people together. That's right, except for that Catholic cemetery, all of us going to be laying in the same plot of land together. Black folk and white folk will be laying in the same cemetery. That's right. Death is the great equalizer. There is very no exceptions. There's no separation when death happens. And also when sickness happens, we'll be in the same hospital together too. Uh-huh. When we get sick, it won't matter if you're black or white. It won't matter if the nurse tending to you was black or white. You're sick. You don't care no more. I wish I had a witness here. The Samaritan, however, worships at Jesus' feet, and this is significant because he's used to worshiping on the mountain somewhere else. But now that he's been healed, he doesn't care about where he worships anymore. Now he's willing to worship Jesus, the Son of God, at the right there at the place 
where he got healed. Because to him, it doesn't matter anymore. I got healed. Thank you, Jesus. I've been set free. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Because I, here's, here's why. The Samaritan knows that Jesus didn't have to do it. Let me put something in here while, while I'm talking about it. The Samaritan is grateful because the healing was undeserved and unexpected. The other nine men were Jews. So Jesus being a Jew, to them it was that it, they expected Jesus to heal them because covenant relationship with God. Because Jesus is a Jew and the other nine men are Jews, they're expecting Jesus to heal them and they're willing to go on their way because to them Jesus is supposed to do this. But the 10th man is a Samaritan and he knows for all his prayers and for all his pleas, Jesus could still say, I, uh, uh, I'm sent to the lost sheep of Israel. I'm sorry, brother. This is not your time. I wish you'd help me here. We have reason to shout because none of us should expect that Jesus would stop by and hear any one of us. Because of our sins, we should have all been dead by now. Because of our hard-headedness, we all should have been gone a long time ago. But God stopped in, looked beyond our faults, and saw our needs, and he gave us another opportunity. So the Samaritan's grateful because he knows Jesus doesn't have to do it. I wonder if I have anybody here that knows for all they've been through. One thing they know is I'm, Jesus didn't have to do nothing for me, but I'm glad he did. <laughs> when you look at the word mercy, in the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew word hesed. Hesed. All right? But that's Old Testament. That word uh, that, that the meaning for mercy there was by covenant relationship. That because God selected Israel as his people, he would be merciful unto them through covenant that he made with Abraham and then uh, continued it with Isaac and then continued it with Jacob and then continued it through Moses. Amen. In the New Testament, mercy is by God's love, not by covenant anymore because see the covenant in the old testament excluded all of us that are gentiles that means african americans that means black people we were excluded from the covenant but in the new testament mercy is not by covenant anymore it's by god's love which is open to everybody that's a reason to shout right there that god's love is the reason why i have mercy over my life Dr. John Adolph has taught us that in the Old Testament, mercy was what would be for forbearing or stopping God from judgment. But in the New Testament, mercy means that we can ask God in heaven for what we can't pay for, that he has our name on. Yeah, it's a blessing by divine grace to have mercy. And that's what those lepers asked for, was for Christ to have Mercy. <laughs> However, watch this, y'all. In the New Testament, though, God must be merciful to us before we can have a relationship with him. It's God who has to extend the olive branch to say, let's work together. Let's reason together. Though your sins may be as scarlet, I can wash them whiter than snow. 
And so, um, finally, as we close this point, God's mercy is shown not just in a message of comfort, but it is shown in practical help and assistance. Okay, we as human beings, we have the capacity to show mercy. But more often than not, we tend not to do it. You, you, you know, because we as African Americans, we have certain lines about us that you cannot cross at all. Number one, don't you play with my money. You're still not helping me. Number two, don't play with my food. Number three, don't play with my children. Number four, don't play with my job. Number five, don't mess around and scratch my car. Number six, don't you come in my house talking loud. Number seven, whatever you break, you pay for. I still don't hear y'all yet. We have some rules and regulations as African Americans. We have some lines that we say, don't you cross them. We will mess you up if you cross these lines. Those are the lines where mercy no longer exists. Instead is swift and fierce judgment. <laughs> we have lines, y'all. So we are more likely not to extend mercy to folks who cross certain lines with us. But with God, that's not the case. His mercy endures forever. Yeah. <laughs> So God's mercy is shown in practical help and assistance so that when a person has fallen short, we as believers can help them along the way. That's what mercy is there for. That as long, you know, because again, we have lines we don't cross. But when a person does not cross those lines, then we'll probably extend mercy. But with God, it doesn't matter. You cross the line or not, he'll extend mercy to you. Amen. So, this message from Jesus to the Samaritan is, go, your faith has saved you. And that suggests salvation. That though you sinned and fell short, your faith has rescued you. Your faith has saved you to where you come into my presence and you are saved. By faith. Paul says, by grace we are saved, what? Through faith. And not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Yes, indeed. I've got to let y'all go. Our time is our time's about up. The master's mission is to restore man to God. The master's method is to heal by obedience with an act of faith. The master's message is, go your way. Your faith has saved you. If I were to put a close on this, I'd say we need to discuss finally the master's ministry. And the master's ministry is one of mercy. I refer you back to what Jesus told the leper when they asked him for mercy. He said, go your way. He said, go show yourself to the priest. Excuse me. Go show yourself to the priest. And the others left. But the one that was a Samaritan, he saw he was healed and turned back. I know right about here is where we shout and close the text because, hey, he, didn't, he, he thanked God and he praised God and he worshiped God at the point. But the point I'm trying to make here is even though he did all of that, the truth of the matter is, y'all, he still disobeyed Jesus' direction. I don't think they got it, Chris. Let me try it again. He still disobeyed Jesus' directions. 
Jesus didn't tell him to stay and worship. He told him, go show yourself to the priest. If it's bad to disobey, it's bad to disobey Moses, it's worse to disobey Jesus. Let me explain. In the book of Hebrews, it says that anybody who uh, transgressed Moses' law died on the testimony of two or three witnesses. There was a time in, in one of the texts where they, the Israelites found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath. They held him in jail until they found out what the Lord wanted to do with him. And the Lord said, put him to death. It's the Sabbath. He is to do no work. So they, he died without any mercy because he transgressed the law of Moses. It's bad to disobey Moses, but it's worse to disobey Jesus. And so the Samaritan got his miracle, but in doing so, when he turned back, he disobeyed Jesus. Yet and still, the great news, the shout news for all of us is that the Samaritan didn't ask Jesus to be healed. He said, Lord, have mercy on me. Jesus not only gave him the miracle he wanted, but also gave him mercy to cover him. You're not going to help me, huh? Look a little closer. The Samaritan asked Jesus for a spiritual need. And that's what mercy is. It's a spiritual need. And when you ask Jesus for a spiritual need, what he will do is give you what you ask for spiritually, but also add physical blessings to go with it. Yes, indeed. Let me explain. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5 through 14, Solomon asked God, asked the Lord for wisdom. The Lord said, what do you want, Solomon? Ask me for what you want. He said, I don't know what, I don't know how to lead your people. I don't know how to go in and come in and go out among them. So, Lord, give me wisdom and understanding that I might discern your people wisely. And the Lord said, watch this, Solomon, since you asked me for wisdom and not for any blessings, not for long life, not for riches, nor for honor, guess what I'm going to do? You're not only going to get the wisdom you want, but I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to make you wealthier than any other king in history. I will give you great riches and honor. And these people will respect you to the day you die. And so the Lord gave Solomon long life in addition to all that, to the, to the wisdom he asked for. It is, my, it is my understanding that Jesus says the Father knows what it is you need. Even the Gentiles seek after these things. But Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness and then all these things shall be added unto you. So if we stop looking for a brand new car and stop looking for a brand new house and thanking God for the mercy we've already given and thank God for the peace of mind that he's already given us, we'll find out that we'll get a new car later but we've already got his mercy. We can get another house later but we already have his mercy right now we can get another job later, but he'll give us peace that surpasses all understanding right now. It is my understanding that we ought to shout and thank God over his mercy. That even though we don't get another call, thank God we've got his mercy. Even though we don't get any more blessings, I thank God he's already given me mercy. You can keep the miracle. You can keep the breakthrough. You can keep the deliverance. Because his mercy is all I need. Without his mercy, 
the miracles don't last forever. The, the blessings don't last forever. But the mercy of God lasts from everlasting to everlasting. Psalm 103 tells us that God crowns us with tender mercies and that he's merciful and gracious, that his mercy is great and his mercy is everlasting to them that respect him. We know that we are not consumed because of the mercies of God, that even if we have sinned and fallen short, we can thank God we still have mercy because that's what we needed. We didn't need no more blessings. What we need is his mercy. Do I have anybody here that's glad they've been covered uh, by the mercy of God? That when I was a wretch undone, Jesus covered me and gave me mercy so that every blessing he provides is only covered by his mercy and covered by his grace to where we can say like David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Do I have anybody here that's glad they've got mercy? That our God ministers to us day in and day out with his mercy. Do I have anybody here that's glad they've got mercy? Go ahead and say thank you Lord for mercy. When I sinned and fell short thank you for mercy. When I fell down and deep in despair thank you for mercy. When I needed you most, God, you shed your blood at Calvary to cover me. Thank you for mercy. Hallelujah for mercy. Glory to God for mercy. Do I have anybody here that can say, I thank God that he didn't leave me nor forsake me, that he gave me mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.